Action Fanatics, welcome to another edition of the Bulletproof Podcast. I am your host, Chris the Brain, and joining me, my co-host, Mr. Chad Cruz. Chad, how's it going? It's going well, Chris. Thanks for asking. Well, you know, I, I try to be polite, at least when we start the show. I don't know if I can keep that politeness for the for the duration or not. You never do. No, it's always bad by the end. And uh, while I'm being polite, let's welcome our very special guest. He is the co-host of one of my favorite podcasts, The Clones Cast. Matthew Whitaker, welcome to the Bulletproof Podcast. It's like a finger pointing away to the moon. <laughs> Don't concentrate on that finger or you'll miss all the heavenly glory. There he is, folks. The one and only Matthew Whitaker. <laughs> actually wanted to pick your brain because you've been in the podcast game a lot longer than uh, Chad and myself. And just kind of was wondering, how did you get involved into, uh, into the podcast world? Oh, God. You guys will love this. The whole impetus of my first podcast was I was so tired of listening to podcasts of everybody just talking about the the Marvel movies and the DC movies and, and comic book universes and all this shit. And I was like, where is a good like Zatoichi, Lone Wolf and Cub? Where is my like, you know, Yojimbo Seven Samurai podcast? And I found, I just had to create it. So that's what I did. The whole real purpose was to get some Zatoichi out there in the world. There is actually a podcast called Zatoichi the Blind Podcast or something like that. But they only managed to do about 10 of them before they got bored. So (laughs) ultimately, I will, throughout my life, make sure I've I've covered every Zatoichi movie if I can help it. And we're at 14, so we've already beat them. Uh, so there, there yeah, we go. Yeah, exactly. Losers. That's what I mean. You know, show a little, put some, get some, grow some balls. If you're going right. to do a podcast, do it. Jeez, look at us. Michael and I, I've watched some of the worst movies of in human history, these Bruceploitation films. And Michael just keeps adding them on top, piling them on top like it's a big Jenga. I think that once we get to like, I don't know, 30 or 40, we'll actually have a good one too. So I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. You know, we we have bits and pieces that are good on each of these, but yeah, one of these yeah. by thirty or forty, the whole show will be great. Fifty, let's say fifty. Fifty, okay, that that's a safe safe bet. Um, and you did mention Michael Worth, who is of course your co-host Matthew on the Clones Cast, and I know the Clones Cast kind of just was a spinoff of uh, Cinema Bushido. Uh, you had Michael on there discussing. I want to say, was it the Big Boss first? Yeah, or was it? Yeah, yeah. 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 We started with the big boss. Yeah. I didn't know what I had in a Michael. I met Michael and I'm like, he knows a lot about Bruce Lee. I love Bruce Lee. Let's do this. And um, it was Lee's first time watching the big boss. So he got two people who were coming in just to geek out about it. And I'd say it was probably the first time it ever really happened because the MO of Cinema Bushido is kind of bring me your movie and we'll all watch it. So we've had to watch things like Stone Cold and, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, we get stuff. It's not always a big boss with Michael Worth on there. So after that, I'm like, dude, I'll do the production of it, but I don't know any of these movies. Let's do a Bruce Poitation podcast. And he was like, of course. Yeah, like that's kind of what he needed is somebody to to manage the other stuff. You know, he's ready to talk about this stuff 24-7, but yeah, just needed someone to facilitate it. That's me. And I get to learn a lot. Absolutely. I mean, I know just, you know, he's somebody I could reach out to on social media about any of those movies and he'll fire back about 18 facts about it. And it's, <laughs> it's amazing uh, his fandom. And it's, it's, it's great that he's been able to take this thing that he loved when he was a kid and, and turn it into something, um, including yeah. the Pearl River collection. 
um, which uh, the second title is coming out soon. I know there's been some delays uh, due to the pandemic that's going on. I'm sure everyone's aware of it. I'm not going to get into it, but Dynamo uh, starring Bruce Lai is the uh, second title. Such a great movie, too. And I think it's one that's really deserved a great like 2K release like this. It's going to be gorgeous. Yeah, it's like to me, it's it's really Bruce Lai's story. I mean, yeah, it's very true to his his life. Two other really big things happening. Um, One big one is, of course, Criterion Collection doing the Bruce Lee box set which we're going to talk about on the Cleanse Cast next episode. Michael brought it up, but it's going to have, um, I think, Tower of Death. It's going to have Game of Death. It's actually going to have Enter the Dragon for the first time. Like, they've never wow. done. Yeah, it's going to be the ultimate collection of Bruce Lee. And, yeah, I'm very excited. And then, of course, the poster book, which is delayed a little bit, too. But um, I'm just looking forward to all those Bruce Potation posters. That's going to be freaking badass. Yeah, same, same here. I'm looking forward to that book. I'm looking forward to to the dynamo seeing that in in all its glory on, on right Ray, so it it's really great how movies that were underseen or underappreciated years ago can get new life because of new formats and i remember the first time i saw a good transfer of five element ninjas and i was like holy shit like it doesn't even seem like the same movie it makes all the difference yeah so good yeah some of the ones we've had to watch like it's pan and scan, so you're not even getting the whole frame. So, like, there are situations where the person talking in that should be in frame isn't even there. So you're like, right. where's the disembodied voice coming from? Like, it's it's worse than just, well, we've seen some shit. Because, you know, you guys remember back in the day, if you had, like, when I wanted to go find the international release of Highlander, I had to go to, like, a star convention and find, like, the weird, creepy 350-pound dude with awkward facial hair that happened to have, yeah, this is the one where, you know, Castigier says this on the bridge instead of that. Yeah, it's kind of funny. But yeah, we used to have to go find this stuff. And now it's like everything's on YouTube. So it's yeah. really now about finding things in high quality versus just finding the rare thing. And another movie that's uh, getting a Blu-ray release here in the near future is the movie we are talking about today on the Bulletproof Podcast. It is Chuck Norris. It is Lone Wolf McQuaid. And Chad, I know this is one of your favorites. And uh, an interesting thing, it's Chuck Norris is a Texas Ranger 10 years before Walker, Texas Ranger, a a show that would would further Chuck's career in in a role he'd become synonymous with. Yeah, it's probably my favorite Chuck Norris film. Um, And to me, it's like the it's Chuck Norris as James Bond, but in a way that he's not a British spy. He's just like a, a guy in Texas wearing a hat and beating the shit out of people and fighting horse. It's a good call. He has like, yeah, so, like he has, he has gadgets. He has gadgets. He like yeah. lives by himself. He's a womanizer. Like he, he's got this other family that he, he still loves, but he's just like, yeah. When he walks in that hallway right, and he later. sees that hot lady, he's like, Hey, what's up? Oh yeah. And he was just going to get that some like water. <laughs> one of my favorite parts in the movie. That's so subtle, but it seems like it probably wasn't in the script, but he was like, Oh, Hey, how you doing? Yeah. How's it going? Lady? It, and I think that, uh, it would be great if I could, if there's somewhere down the line, there's a nod where, uh, Chuck says, okay, Walker was actually, I was actually playing, that was JJ McQuaid, but he was in like a witness relocation, but instead of taking on a new identity, he's like, no, I'm just going to continue being a ranger. Just change my name. Yeah. But also he becomes shittier. It's like, McQuaid is such a badass where Walker <laughs> is just kind of a douche. He can still round kick kind of, but other than yeah. that roundhouse kick, but other than, yeah, he's just sort of old and shitty. <laughs> he's a little more, uh, down to earth he's not like 
double barrel shotgunning people in the chest like <laughs> right, right three feet yeah. away the cool blazer with the supercharger's gone now he's just got a pinto you know he's just like whatever i'm still a texas <laughs> ranger leave me alone i say i've heard there was actually some litigation uh between yeah. you know for B because when the show yeah. came out uh, orion was like hey wait a minute that was yeah. uh that was our gimmick that he was a texas ranger and it kind of must have settled or gave them the retroactive permission uh, for Chuck. But yeah, very different Texas Rangers, obviously. Um, yeah, and he's filthy. He's like yeah, ridiculously dirty all the time, which to me is like the the antithesis of Bond, where Bond's like suave. He's like, you know, greasing his hair back with this like fine tooth comb. And then, you know, McQuay just walks out, chugs a pearl beer and like rolls in the mud and then goes to work. James Bond's balls smell like oysters and Lone Wolf McQuaid's balls smell like Rocky Mountain oysters. That should be on the Blu-ray. That should be on the Blu-ray. <laughs> you guys are welcome to quote me. <laughs> the, other, the other thing he has elements of is Popeye because uh, you mentioned yeah. the pearl beer. That's like his spinach. I mean, he needs that to get going. And uh, so, yeah, he has elements of, of James Bond, Popeye, and also elements of uh, Dirty Harry because at one point he gets uh, told he's going to have a partner and in classic dirty hairy fashion, he wants nothing to yeah, do yeah. with, with KO. Yeah. That I was think awesome. that's, that's like a classic, you know, I mean, he is the lone wolf, right? You right. don't get a nickname like lone wolf without being lone. Right. Very good. And a wolf or a wolf and or wolf. But yeah, he, you know, he tells, uh, who is it? Uh, RG Armstrong. Who's also playing like a great boss. Like he's like a dickhead. He screams a lot and he's wrong a lot, which <laughs> I love in these old movies. These the guys who are like in charge are always wrong uh, and they never kind of see it. And even in the end, they're like, Oh, I was, I take full credit for everything. But yeah, it's, it, it's classic. It's classic for him to be at butting heads with his boss. Yeah. You know, I think Chuck was doing his thing. Like he, you know, he was having some pretty good success in, um, you know, he'd had good actors and other things. And I feel like with David Carradine, he there's a funny quote about this one. I think it's just on IMDb, but I liked it. Somebody was asking Chuck right at the time of the release of this, like what he thought of David Carradine's uh, martial arts prowess. And he's like, well, I'll say this. He's as good of a martial artist as I am an actor. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I actually had that, had that quote in my notes here. because My he apologies, that. but I just thought that sums up this movie, right? Because it's, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's got... He's he's a little Bruce Boytation, uh, David Carradine. He does the he does the little head shaky thing yeah. that Bruce would do, and s sings a little bit cat song, you know, a little. <laughs> yeah, and it's I hilarious. don't know. I mean, I don't. I can't confirm this, but I I think I read it on IMDb as well, where it said that if Bruce Lee had been alive, this was a role that was meant for him. Yeah, uh, right. Like he never role. would have taken that role. Exactly, right. and you could probably say that about every martial arts film. 10, 15 yeah. years after he had died was like, this was meant for Bruce. Yeah. That's the other thing. I mean, it was 10 years. I mean, if this came out like two years after he died, yeah. I'd admit maybe like, Oh yeah, it was in the works. He had, he had, you know, signed right. a letter of intent that he would be in this, but I mean, this came 10 years later. And from what I heard, this was actually going to be a Chris Christopherson movie before it was yeah. a Chuck Norris movie. So yeah. I don't think the world sense. was ready to see Chris, Chris Christopherson versus Bruce Lee. I don't think anyone was clamoring for that. No, but Christopherson could play. I mean, I could see him in the role, and I could see him being extremely filthy. He's a badass and yeah. womanizing, and yeah, and yeah. He people. could do it perfectly. Just take out the martial arts. He would have done and, the same gun stuff. I mean, those the ridiculous sweeping with the Uzi. 
where you just do a little pirouette and kill everybody. And, you know, a 200 round clip in that Uzi. My favorite thing about 80s action movies. <laughs> I think Chuck was like getting used to Delta Force. He had all these great actors in it. He was just getting used to kind of a certain level of, I mean, Lee Van Cleef was in the octagon. He's just ready. He's got all these good people around him. And then he does this one and he's got David Carradine as kind of a prima donna. I imagine it was pretty weird. I mean, it's very much played as slapstick. And you said it's very much a Western. This could have been a Chris Christopherson film in any day. But it's, it does have one of the greatest scenes of all time, which I stopped to make sure everybody could watch, which is, of course, the a Texas Ranger kicked my father's teeth out. <laughs> when I was 14 and that came on, I was like, this is the greatest film of all time. Just write it down. It's now in the history books. It's over. Thank you. And uh, another another great actor that is in this one is L.Q. Jones, who plays Dakota, who is uh, yeah. his mentor. And uh, I mean, who else could have played this role better than L.Q. Jones? He's so cool. Yeah, I wanted Dakota like spinoff. After you're watching that, you're like, oh, give him his own, you know, the present day. Let's give him this uh, L.Q. Jones his own spinoff and put it on like HBO or something to where he can really, really sink his teeth into it. Or sorry bite it in the butt, develop lockjaw, and be dragged to death. That's what I meant to say. Totally. I feel like it would have had to have happened then. This seemed like he was at his prime. This was it. He had the mustache. He was cooler than Christopherson. <laughs> Maybe that's like, why they And that says job. something. Yeah, for one little blip, you're cooler than Chris Christopherson. Just for like 10 <laughs> seconds. He's like, this was my time. And Chris Game was just like, fuck you. Next movie's mine. <laughs> Which is funny because you know K.O. K.O. was in um, Eating Raul, um, which I didn't yeah. remember him in. But I did remember him, of course, from Night of the Comet. I was going to say, that's, just... what, that's what I always remember. And I think yeah. he was, was he in like one of the Star Treks? Like, yeah. Know, next generation. Chipotle. I always called him Chipotle. <laughs> 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 okay, it's racist, but it's also funny because it's Chipotle. And his name was like uh, Chipotle. <laughs> oh, I he wasn't was the, far. Was that the guy know, with the know. face tattoo? Yeah, you yes, got it. I, I wouldn't even know him because he got a little that was, old. Uh, Voyager, I think. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. He got a little doughy and a little annoying. <laughs> huh. I didn't actually never even put, put that together that that was him. So, Look at you learning something here on the Bulletproof Podcast, Chad. I'd watch Voyager and I'd just be so annoyed with him. I'd just be like, what? You were cool once. You saved Chuck Norris once. And then, of course, the uh, love interest kind of caught in the middle between uh, David Carradine and Chuck Norris uh, is Barbara Carrera, who plays Lola, L-O-L-A, Lola, uh, Lola Richardson. Is she related to the other Carrera, Tia Carrera? I mean, they're both. I believe it was Tia Carrera. Oh, uh, well, well, thanks a lot for ruining that. Well, if I go into my Google search, <laughs> let me look right now. <laughs> Tia Carrera, nude. Okay, I have Holy shit, she's still alive, 74 years old right now. She's a New Year's Eve baby, 1945. How about that? She was Barbara Kingsbury, and now she's Barbara Carrera, probably after Tia Carrera. Probably. <laughs> she changed her name. It's too close. Too as far as you guys know, she was just like, that seems She cool. loved Wayne's World so much. <laughs> Lola makes, I mean, she makes an awesome intro, like, intro to the film because she's riding that horse, yeah. and she looks amazing. Um, she does. And every character on screen stops and just stares, gawks at her for like the next five minutes. So, I mean, it's, what, how, how else do you introduce, you know, your lead female by, by doing that? That's perfect. 
Well, she posed twice for Playboy, 1977 and 82. And that's still one year before (laughs) this comes out. So, guys, Google. All right, I'm going to mute for a second. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, anyway. So, yeah, and she, uh, you know, kind of really ingratiates herself to uh, McQuaid right away, helps out his daughter, who was in a little bit of trouble on her horse. That's the spark that that uh, gets them going. Which leads us to something really dumb, which is the them fighting about her cleaning his house. <laughs> it, it's great. I wish you would come to my house and clean my house. It, right. It's hilarious because she's like, uh, she's trying to change him, you know what I mean? And like, don't you dare put vitamins and vegetables in JJ McQuaid's refrigerator. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he's like, what are these? And where's my beer? He, he reacts more to the vitamins and the loss of his beer than he does to his dog dying. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And isn't that the classic trope? I mean, game of Thrones, you name it. We think these animals are so badass, the lone wolf McQuaid and blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, these are just fierce dogs and they're really easy to kill. So maybe don't leave them so unprotected outside. Chuck, maybe <laughs> protect your wolf a little bit. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. I don't know. You know, Kiki the dog in Kickboxer is pretty badass, and he survived. Yeah. If we were going to have an essentials dog list, I think Kiki would be number one. Nemesis would be in there. Remember, he hides the dog in the metal thing, and then he raises the dog from a baby, and then the dog's shot like 10 minutes into Nemesis, and nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no one, nobody cares about Nemesis? Is that what you said? No, I was saying the dog. Come on. <laughs> Come on. It has Tim Thomerson in it. I do like Tim Thomerson. It equals good. Tim Thomerson. Iron Eagle. Tim Thomerson. What a great name. Just the name itself. I want to be his friend. Totally. Uh, we also have a role of William Sanderson. He's a, He plays Snow. He gets on the wrong side of uh, McQuaid real quick. And oh, it's, yeah, a, it's a drug guy. Yeah. yeah. And it, yeah. It's really one of our... First pieces of uh, really seeing McQuaid, you know, after the opening scene. But here he is doing his his uh, police work, if you will, unconventional police work as it is. Yeah, he essentially, you know, he finds this snitch or whatever. The snow is kind of in the know of everything, chases him down, like literally chases him through a, some sort of factory and through a window and rides on top of his truck for about four miles. Uh, I, why didn't snow shoot him? Is that? Is it just like a villain thing? Like I can't shoot straight. Yeah. Even when you're on like 12 inches from my face. Oh my God. It was such a contrived scene of, of Chuck holding onto the car and just sort of <laughs> sliding around it. I'm like, this must've been in a contract or something. Cause this makes no sense. Like he'd risk his life. He just killed the guy. Yeah. yeah and he shot at him like the entire way. <laughs> like he's shooting three <laughs> stories up and almost hitting him. And then all of a sudden he's like right in front of him and he's just, looking at him like with a scared look in his face but yeah it it definitely shows like the the lone wolf side of him where he doesn't really care about uh you know procedure and policies and all that crap his body his his (laughs) physical harm to himself yeah his brain brain matter (laughs) right (laughs) i love that we also get the little person uh in here falcon it was the time such an eccentric cast of characters in this movie i think that's kind of what helps set it apart we're doing the, I mean, it wasn't just, um, you know, Smokey and the Bandit with midgets. We had a few other, I mean, obviously Time Bandits, but we had other just midgets like that showing up. Like, Tattoo was big. 
we're, we're going for it. Right, right. We're like little people. It, you know, it's funny. He had such a maniacal laugh. That was my favorite part about him. Was like, yeah. he just like read a book on how to become to be the most evil character, and he's like, oh, I have to have a like a I have to do this. He did everything but like rub his mustache. <laughs> it's because it's his arm couldn't reach. <laughs> Ooh, nice. I'm going to hell now. Okay, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> all right, that's all right. I think uh, I had a spot reserved there myself. Um, let's talk about the Fed. You know, the Fed's always get involved in these things because obviously we have some arms dealings going on and whatnot. We've got Leon Isaac Kennedy, um, who was probably most famous for the uh, penitentiary movies. He plays at Jackson. While other people don't want McQuaid on the case because of McQuaid's ways of doing things, uh, Jackson, he's all about it. Yeah, he. I mean, who wouldn't want J.J. McQuaid? I mean, yeah, he's a lone wolf and all, but he gets results and he knows the area. And I think that Jackson learns pretty quickly that the other feds around him are, are worthless. Um, and then when you're going into battle, you know what I mean? Who, who, who would you want above Chuck Norris? I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, Jackson is, like, holding his own wounds and just happy to be there. He's just like, this is the best day of my life. <laughs> I mean, no, not again. Yeah, he's like, I got shot twice in the stomach. This sucks, but guess what? Chuck's here. Chuck, show him your stuff. <laughs> oh, it's just so fun. But I, I will tell you this. The, McQuaid's got, like, he's got backup, or he's got KO, he's got Jackson that's helping him out. But they both hold their own, too, because, you know, I mean, Kennedy does a pretty good job. He's got that cool little fro. Uh, yeah. He has a couple of good little quips and you know what I mean? When they're like, can you fly this thing? You know what I mean? Like there's, there's a couple good scenes where he's, he's more than just like a background dude. I think you're right. They knew they were doing something cool with him. The obviously, cause you said it, there's that great part. Can you fly this thing? It's like, no, but he can <laughs> get in there. asshole. yeah, it was like, it was fun. <laughs> like you knew he was just happy to be along for the ride. Chuck is like, you know, this bottle of, fucking aggression so it's like let's just <laughs> see what happens i mean really this movie with the supercharger underground thing oh, is gorgeous. that not the ultimate like this is how tough i am bitch yeah. and <laughs> just drives out of a fucking hole it's like if oh. he had screamed he should have screamed penis as he did it like penis like <laughs> seriously <laughs> we would not have fed an eyelash as kids we would have been like yeah penis Get out of the hole. Do it, Chuck. Your penis is the best. I'm going to tell my dad. Fueled by Pearl Beer. The only thing Chuck Norris likes more than an ice-cold Pearl Beer is a room-temperature, lukewarm, been-sitting-in-your-truck-all-day Pearl Beer. Well, it basically brought him back to life. He was almost, he was on at death's door. <laughs> he, it's, it soaked in his skin. Like, it just marinated him in Pearl it's such a screenplay from a fat guy with no skills. Cause he's like, yeah, of course he's drinking more beer, but then he's going to go do the roundhouse kick later when he's got energy back. But right now he's sitting in the car drinking a beer and he's hurt, but this is going to revive him. Yeah. It's like very thought out. He's like, yeah, the beer is part of the medicine. His, I mean, his, his vehicle was pretty much a character in the film too. Cause I mean, it has its own moments. Like yeah. he's pushing other cars through the desert he's driving out of holes i mean he's like <laughs> there's that great scene that's just like ah, oh, you should go on this one because i believe it includes your daughter he's like my daughter isn't it your job to do these things <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah i was a little tired yeah the, the driving out of the grave for me is 
that's the scene. That is the scene that embodies this entire film. Um, and for me, this was a honest, and I hate to say this, but I'll, I'll admit it. This was really a first time watch for me. Um, I'd seen oh, wow. bits and pieces of it, but I've never sat down and watched the whole thing. And I certainly never saw that, that scene within in the grave because if yeah. I would have seen that, it would have been game over would be like, I'd been purchasing it that day. Um, but yeah, just that, that was, I mean, I'm never going to forget that. I will never forget that scene as long as I live. Yeah, that was cool. The whole thing, they were trying to make it like a, a Sergio Leone movie. You know, they were really going for spaghetti Western, but they also had, you know, all the 80s cocaine and all the 80s drugs. So right. they're like, as cool as that was, we're actually high right now. So let's just shoot the <laughs> helicopter down. You know, it's like, we're it's kind of spaghetti Western, but it's really, it's birth is in the RoboCop, you know, the the dregs full of all the cocaine. Yeah, it's it's a great blend, like you said, because even the music, you know, it's got the uh, the faux Morricone tracks in the background. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, and it's it gets awesome. you in, it gets you in the mood early on because you're like, why are all these guys on horseback? Holy shit, they're horse thieves! And now he's you know like roundhouse kicking horse thieves and like, what am I watching? Is this, isn't this like a present day movie? And all the greatest uh, like horrible like profanity is coming out of that mexican dude's mouth you know he's like he's this puta and this bendejo and blah blah blah. i'm just like oh (laughs) shit like somebody had a dictionary there this may have actually gotten the r rating that it was asking for and i wonder would uh would uh, wilkes david carradine's character would he have gotten away with everything if he just did not involve uh chuck's daughter or lone wolf mcquade's daughter because that that seemed to be where where it really uh went downhill for him yeah, it escalated, and and we learned one thing that you know, killing uh, McQuaid's dogs is a surefire way to get an ass whooping. But back smack, like backhanding his daughter, like I don't care how bad you've beaten Chuck, you backhand his daughter, and it's about to go down. This had that classic problem that um, he could have killed Chuck. He had him right there. They go ahead and decide to bury him. It's all his like, oh, okay, well, let me do something I think is more creative. I'll bury him underground in his supercharged truck. It's just so stupid. It should have just been like, no, let's go ahead and behead him right now. If I behead him right now, there's no possible way he can come back and kick my ass later. Yeah, and his daughter, we already knew that like, if you involve his daughter, Chuck's interested now because they were trying to get him to go out to that, to that accident scene. He's like, nah, I'm cool. I'm off work. They're like it's your daughter, and I mean, I don't think the daughter gets enough cred because she, she's in a car that gets flipped, she gets shot in the leg, she gets you know backhanded by the uh, Kwai Chan Kane. I mean, she's pretty heroic. And then at the end, she runs and jumps into Chuck's arms like she's just not even limping. But what about that part where they're just? It's her and uh, Carrera, and they're just hiding behind the truck, and they're just their faces are just like kind of displaying almost like a street sign like this is what i've been through they're just sort of mm, oh i can't move anymore it's so painful i don't know that was something well you know the, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree i guess in, in in her case i mean her dad's a badass she had to inherit at least half of that you would think there you go. that's true and her boyfriend uh you know he he took it like a man yeah he did uh, he said he listen you leave her alone he, oh you're gonna kill her Okay. Yeah, he grabs that tire iron and steps out like he's going to do some. I mean, I would have probably just gotten in a car and driven away. But Me too. 
I would have like gunned it. I would have said, "Chase yeah. me, motherfucker!" I played You're GTA. Like in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> like just go. Yeah, man. exactly. I know what cars can do now that I play Grand Theft enough. <laughs> I got this. You guys are. Like, I don't have the same car as your dad, but I will get us <laughs> half mile down the road before they they flip us over. So, is this Chuck Norris's best movie? Uh, no. <sighs> but here's why, Chad. Chad thinks so. But Chad and I, I bet we've got. I've got a couple years on him. So I have the memory of going to the theater to see the octagon. And that was the first time I'd ever been wrangled with ninja magic that you could feel them in the room. I mean, I had so much fodder from that that I used later in life. I mean, I thought I was pretty much, I had, you know, Jedi force. I was channeling my Chuck Norris so much. I think that, I don't think it's his best film, but I think it's my favorite film. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, Probably for similar reasons, like, you know, you, you, you got to experience, you know, the octagon. I didn't, I didn't go and see that in theaters. I don't think I was even alive when it was in theaters. Yeah. Uh, see, there's a like difference. In the 70s, I would go see Chuck in the theater all the time. My dad, we, you know, divorced parents. So my dad made a point. A Chuck Norris movie came out. He'd send me money. He'd say, go see it. And I'd go see it. Trying to man Chuck. you up. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was like. If I'm going to do anything with this kid, it's cinema. <laughs> and he yeah, taught me. There you go. I can, now beat, you. I can beat my sofa to shit right now. If I wanted to. <laughs> I, and to me, it feels like it's like, it feels like a Chuck Norris film, partially because of Walker, Texas Ranger for so many years. Mm-hmm. Like I could see when I think of Chuck, I see him in a cowboy hat in denim jeans, just roundhouse kicking people. Um, and this movie is like the birth of that. Um, and not only he's, He's those things, but he's like bearded and he's filthy and he's oh, shooting he's people in the chest with double barreled sawed off shotguns. Yeah, you know he invented he invented jeans that were stretch pants so you could do roundhouse kicks in them. I wanted those so bad as a kid. <laughs> You're like, yes, I know, and I coveted. I, I need them. <laughs> All right. Anything else we want to say about Lone Wolf McQuaid before we move on? Hmm. Great freaking movie. I mean, so much fun. So many iconic scenes. And actually, a lot of martial arts. I complain often about Chuck that eventually he just became the guy who holds the gun. Like, he might yeah. throw a roundhouse in there just to remind us. But there's definitely, like, with, um, uh, you know, um, sorry, Aikido Man. You know, he went straight from showing his Aikido to all I do is I have a gun and I'm a really angry dude. You yeah. Know? Same thing with Chuck. Yeah. It was just like he just became gun guy, and that was it. I say that, but then if you guys remember in like the 90s, he did that one where he was like a Native American spirit, Chuck Norris, who lived in the yeah. woods. Yeah, that may have been the highest low point of his career. <laughs> the highest low point. I like that. Yes. <laughs> the lowest of the lows. <laughs> yeah, it definitely, when, when Chuck moved over to uh, Canon, he became more of an action star as opposed to like a martial arts Star. yeah 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 exactly i don't know i i think the lone wolf it it has a lot if you're a chuck fan already and you've never seen this then you're going to become a bigger chuck fan absolutely and if, and if you're just an action fan in general you're going to be like man where was this all my life or where was where was i you know right but it it's i mean it's readily available like i watched it the other night at work on youtube like in like five different sittings it was just yeah like it's free on youtube like shit this movie does nothing it? bad it's just an action movie that, and yeah. it's letting chuck norris be the chuck he is they were like carlos 
do your inner Chuck. And he went for it. Cause it's true. Like this, <laughs> this movie doesn't talk to itself a lot. It's full of action scenes. Even if they make no sense, like the hanging off the car yeah. and stuff, it's, it's action. Yeah, and and I I fall in that category of like somebody who had never seen it before, and and it did just make me a bigger fan. And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know that I would say this is his best, or, or that it, if, even that it's my favorite, but it's definitely you know top five for me. Yeah, and Octagon will always be my favorite, but I admit, just like anyone, watch it again, and it doesn't hold up to nineteen eighty standards. Nineteen eighty, it was magic. Now I'm like, oh god, why, why? <laughs> but it stays my favorite. That's the beauty of having favorites that aren't like, you know, my favorite movie isn't the best movie ever, but it's my favorite for other reasons. Exactly. See, my favorite movie is the best movie ever. And that's of course <laughs> Death Wish 3. Um, so th- that has it all. Which is the one with, uh, with um, what's his face, right? Um, Ed Lauder. Mother- motherfucker. No, that must be number four then. Yeah. Which one's the one that has Samuel L. Jackson? Wait, do you you did say Die Hard, right? I said Death Wish. Yeah, we're talking about the same thing. Oh no, Death Wish. God, sorry, my brain. Death Wish I'm, Three. I'm... Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yes, I went for Die Hard. Hard. Okay, okay. So now we're back to Death Wish, and of course, Death Wish Three is the greatest of the Death Wish series. Yeah. Okay, right. I'm with you 100 percent now. It just took me a minute to process. Right. We actually, I, I was on Cinema Bushido talking about uh, Death Wish. Absolutely. Story. We've got old school World War Two weaponry, um, old people. <laughs> Uh, stairs made out of dirt, explosions that rival a Michael Bay movie. It's a really, really fantastic movie. The only thing the Death Wish series lacks, and I can say this in in all sincerity, is it lacks Dolph Lundgren. Mm. Well, that's that's true. I had to get that in for the, Thank for the you. podcast. Yeah. We try to mention Dolph each and every podcast, whether it makes sense or not. You know, he... He he got he didn't get all the best cards dealt to him. He had a couple high points in his career, and he's got a couple great B movie moments. But he could have been a contender. He was a badass motherfucker. Oh yeah, he has some good ones. Yeah, Dolph, Dolph deserved better. Uh, he had he got off to a great start with Rocky Four. When you said he didn't have all the best cards dealt to him, I didn't. I mean, I I kind of agree with you. I mean, he's he's tall, he's handsome, uh, he's muscular, he's really smart. Um, trying to think where he's lacking well you look at like no retreat <laughs> this is what i mean by that no retreat jean claude was pretty much playing dolph's role yeah from rocky and somehow he's just like by the way fuck you guys i'm gonna go on to become a star so you guys can all go fuck yourselves and he just moved on and that was it and poor dolph was like okay yeah i'll play second fiddle again okay i'll play second fiddle a third time i wonder if it was ego you know what i mean like I think to be a megastar, you got to have an ego. Totally. Maybe he didn't have the ego. To do Dolph it. just isn't a big enough douche. <laughs> yeah, that's possible. Right, because Van Damme certainly has an ego on him. And, and, oh, yeah. You know, he, wanted, yeah. he wanted to be a star. We've all heard the story of Jean-Claude getting his ass kicked in New York City, challenging somebody on the street. Like, you know who I am? And then the person hands him his ass. It's like, yeah, kickboxing in a ring isn't quite the same thing as street fighting, fucker. Yeah. (laughs) This guy might hit you in the nuts, and there's no penalty for it. So moving on. Yeah, doing the splits in a real fight doesn't really help anything. (laughs) Right. It's like, well, that's cute. Push you. Uh, you I'm going to sit on your shoulders while you're down there. (laughs) (laughs) I just turn around and fart in your face. Wow. <laughs> totally. 
uh, cool move, dude. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate heel move. <laughs> Biological warfare. Oh, all right. Well, I'm going to steal a page from Cinema Bushido, which I've been doing since the start of this podcast, where we Ooh. do a little uh, activity at the end of the show. Again, Ooh. I blatantly stole this from you, Matthew. I appreciate I'm gonna it. Have, I'm going to have you and Chad play a game called This or That. And I will give you both uh, some options and you tell me which one you prefer. And you can obviously explain why that is. So, Matthew, we'll start with you. And here's a good one ties into our show chuck norris or charles bronson wow that's actually pretty hard i mean death wish 3 is sitting there and all chuck was in a bruce lee movie so chuck's got it all right chad i don't have an easy one for you either it's arnold or sly oh boy that is a good one um Ooh, I'm looking forward i have to, to your say table. arnold um i don't think there's any man it's tough. I, I'm going to say Arnold just because of the Terminator. And mm. uh, I love, you know, Predator is my favorite movie of all time. And just so many true lies, Commando. Like, I got to take Arnold. Sorry, Sly. I love you still. I'm sure he's listening too. So I'm glad he's you... going to text me when he hears this. He's right, text. exactly. All right. In honor of the clones class, Matthew, Bruce Lai or Bruce Lay? Wow. Um, I'll go for Bruce Lai, and I'm choosing him just because he he had the real spark in him, and he was trying really hard, and I'll always respect him for, to this day, he's just kind of like, well, that was something I did, and he's still, you know, active in martial arts, you know, chiropractic stuff, but, you know, he's a pretty badass motherfucker to this day, so I'll take him. Bruce Lai just wanted the, he wanted the money. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, Bruce Lai tried to kind of get away from from yeah. being a, a Bruce Ploitation clone. He got it. He was like, he was like, okay, this sucks. You're making me Bruce again. I'll take the money, but maybe we should stop these. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and Bruce Lai, though, the one thing Bruce Lai has over all other clones is he has the best shocked face that, oh, yeah. that there is. <laughs> totally. His, his reaction shots are, are just fantastic. All right, we talked about him just moments ago, Chad. Is Are you going to go with Jean-Claude Van Damme or Steven Seagal? I'm going to go with Van Damme. Um, yeah. I love Seagal's first five to seven films. Same. Um, and I think they're as good at five or seven films as anyone's ever made that at that point in the career. But Van Damme, longevity, he's crazy. and If Seagal could have just died... <laughs> If he could have died in 1997, he would have. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. And this is like a doppelganger, like a Russian doppelganger. His fatter Steven Seagal ate the original Steven Seagal. Yeah, like his fat older brother was just like, "Listen, I'm come down. I want some money. I'm gonna take this from you." (laughs) What if? What if? Now follow me here. What if he did a film in Eastern Europe? He was he was murdered, and he was replaced by a Russian operative. Uh, by Putin, and now his whole purpose is to become a massive star and to try and like use his influence to get control. I don't know what I'm saying. I was with you until I remembered that he considers himself a Buddha dragon and he wears that same shitty, you know, <laughs> screen dyed 
shirt all the time. Yeah, he can just go fuck himself. Well, he's taken the term massive star literally, though, too, as well. I mean, he just keeps eating. <laughs> so, so he he is become a massive star, but yeah. Uh, yeah. not not in the way he should be. Yes. Yeah, the star faded with the massive part. Oh, that's unfortunate. But yeah, Van Damme for sure. All right, Matthew, last one for you. Sean Connery or Roger Moore? Oh, easily Sean Connery. This is freaking uh, Juan Ramirez Villalobos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, forget for sure. Sean Connery will always be, you know, the greatest, most wonderful role model I've ever had. If anybody taught me to hit women, it's him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I am beaten upon by women. So I also <laughs> learned that from him. He made Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade the perfect movie for me. Mm-hmm. And Highlander. It wouldn't have yeah. been the same with yeah. some other asshole. We had Sean fucking Connery. I I love Sean Connery because he basically spent his entire career wearing a wig and no one knew it. Right. <laughs> or no one talked about it. They're just like, look at this awesome Sean Connery movie. I'm like, why doesn't anyone ever talk about how he's bald and he's wearing a wig in every film? To me, that's just kind of strange. Chad, do your do your do your Sean Connery impersonation. Do it. Oh Lord. Uh come on. Fuck, I don't even have one. What there's a great oh, there's a great line in Highlander 2 that he says. Mm. What is it? You know the line, right? Where he's in the plane. Oh, I don't know. I always think of Highlander one, you know, like my cut improved your voice and all that. Oh, I'm he sort of a... really dirty on the plane. I gotta pass. I'm sorry. Give me one. That's, not, that's all right. That's all right. Chris, come on. Yes. Do it. Sean Connery impersonation. Oh, I don't think I have a Sean Connery. It's so easy. Come on, guys. All right, here's mine. This, this is my submarine. Oh, that's excellent. <laughs> that's excellent. Did you shove a bunch of malt balls in your mouth when you did that? <laughs> Highlander, you're going to have to follow me down the cliffside. <laughs> I don't know. I just have I have a little of him in me. I choose that's, that's at excellent. least two yeah. accents you've done on this podcast already. Thank you. Oh uh, yeah, have you ever thought about doing being a voice actor? <laughs> Give me another one. Come on, Whew. Whew. warmed up. Uh, uh, doing Arnold. Okay, Arnold. <laughs> oh, you stupid bastards! <laughs> I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, <laughs> uh, I thought there was just some guy named Arnold. You knew. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wanted you to do Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now we see the folly in my plan. Oh Lord, that was like a uh, Vinnie Jones impersonation. <laughs> How about uh, Sylvester Stallone? Adrian, Adrian. <laughs> uh, I think we we've gone off the rails. Uh Chad, I have one more for you: Superman or Batman? Are we talking about like one character has to go, or is it film, comics? What are we talking? Um, whatever you want it to be, Chad. I mean, there's no rules committee here. It's which one's it's which one's better. <laughs> Definitively better. Which one's better? I think Batman's better, but I'm more of a Superman guy. I th- so I'm going to take Superman um, because he. I don't know. I I always liked the idea of him choosing to be good and having the you know he could have like just annihilated everybody and like. I'm now in charge of everything. It's a great point. The boys and Brightburn both happen. Yeah. So he could he could have been that. Um, but he chose not to. So I, I, I dig it. I'm a Superman guy as well, as you may know. So I agree with you, Chad. 
It's, and Batman's like the easy choice because he has like all, so many great stories and great villains. And he's but, cool. And he's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's like Superman is not cool. He wears like fucking Ronald McDonald colors and flies around. Yeah, yeah. that is sad because when I was you know a youngster, Superman was right. Cool. No, I get it, but yeah, he's just not cool anymore. And I, I'm a, <laughs> I, I love the '90s Superman comics. You know that. I, I enjoy the death of Superman. I love what it did to it. The reign of Superman. I love when he went on trial. I love when he had the mullet. Like all that was great. I was going to say I, the mullet is probably why you love that one. And so much. that was a fantastic mullet. So, um, yeah, it was super mullet. Super mullet could only be cut with kryptonite scissors. Good point. Which you would not be able to find in stores right now. By the way, just so you know. No. No. No kryptonite scissors, no hair trimmers. Nope. Um, I think toilet papers made it made a it's comeback. It's back, yeah. I mean, it's not the stuff I preferred, but it's back. Hand sanitizer, still haven't found that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's all right. You know, it's the weird shit. I was looking for rubbing alcohol for a completely different use than trying to sanitize shit. And I'm just like, oh, it's also that everywhere because people are making their own. Yeah, it's just ridiculous the shit people get onto. And now meat. How the fuck are we going to survive no meat? I think cannibalism that's that's an obvious answer (laughs) you guys are right all right well this has been another fantastic well it's been a good it's no it's been really a fun episode of uh the bulletproof podcast we want to thank uh, matthew for joining us and obviously you're you're welcome back anytime yeah you know um let's get some korean action uh how about uh bittersweet life or something along those lines yeah or maybe like a gug a Gozu, if you guys are Mickey fans. Yellow Sea. Yeah, Yellow Sea. I'm down. I'm going to have to do some uh, homework on these because that's uh, not my wheelhouse, but I certainly... Good action. You know, I'll, I'll give I'll give it a whirl. Yeah. We've got the new uh, Train to Busan sequel coming soon. I just rewatched yeah. Train to Busan the other night. Still excellent. Such a fun movie. I love Korea. I know you do, Chad. Um and you know what we love our followers on social media. And of course, if you're not following us, you can follow us hell? at Bulletproof. Oh, sorry. Well, that too. You can follow us at Bulletproof Action on Instagram and Facebook and at Bulletproof Pod on Twitter. And of course, the official site of the Bulletproof Podcast, or is it the podcast the official podcast of the site? I don't I think the chicken came before. What? I don't know. Uh, but it's BulletproofAction.com. Um, and that's where you will find reviews and interviews and features. And we have something new every single day. And, and Matthew, did you want to do your plugs before we uh, head out? Sure. You know, they say the end of a podcast is the greatest time to plug yourself because everybody's listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's true. Um, com. Check it out. We have a new podcast coming up called the Punch Drunk Social Hour, where we're going to get, uh, we're going to travel all over the world and just get weird about all sorts of cool shit. So, Streamham.com, check it out. And uh, I know an upcoming episode of the Clones cast that I'm looking forward to, No Retreat, No Surrender, which we've kind of mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah, out tomorrow. So by the time you guys are out, it'll be out. Lovely. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Well, I'll be listening. I have plenty of podcasts to listen to, uh, then uh, looking forward to it. All right. Well, I think that's good. Uh, Matthew, once again, thank you, Chad. Thank you as well. Thank you both. And thank you for listening. And be sure to stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast.
listening to the Geekscape Network.